What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast, Ballsy. You know, I'm the one that came up with that name. If you don't like it, then Evan did. But but actually, I am the one who came up with that name. I'm in here by the studio, in the studio all by myself, Kevin Sherrington. Well, Brian Eldridge is here, our producer. It's great to have Brian here because, you know, Lord knows I couldn't run this thing without him. I'm just sitting over here talking into a microphone. Uh, and uh, Barry is out. Barry Horn is out. Uh, we're sorry to that. I hope he gets better. Uh, Evan Grant's in Houston. We just talked to him. We've also talked to John Machoda about the Cowboys draft. And now the highlight of the day. We're talking to Chuck Carlton about Big 12 football. Hi, Chuck. How are you? I don't think highlight Chuck Carlton and Big 12 has ever been used in the same <laughs> session lately. That might be a good point. Certainly about Big 12 and highlights. There haven't been any highlights, and there certainly wasn't one in the draft the other day, was there? No, 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 no. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes, and then it's like, okay, waiting, 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 okay. And again, some of this is, you know, Joe Mixon without the character concerns goes higher. D.D. Westbrook without the character concerns goes higher in the draft. But still, you're talking about a conference that even, you know, that had fewer picks than the American Athletic, which is doing anything possible to be viewed as a power you know, Power Six Conference now, you know, even launching a campaign. Hey, all they have to do is put up the draft results. You, you look at, and again, you know, not too far back where the, the Big 12 had, like, you know, the top guys in the draft, even last year, 26 picks. But when, when you aren't getting, you know, as, as you pointed out today, when you're not getting the top talent, not only in the country, but the top talent in Texas, which should be the lifeblood of the Big 12 in recruiting, then it's kind of hard, no matter how how much you coach guys up, and have turn those guys into first-round draft picks four years later. Absolutely, and that's, of course, as you, as you alluded to, and thanks for doing that, Chuck. Uh, I wrote a column for today talking about the fact that uh, – you know, you don't have to do 11 draft picks like Michigan did or 10 draft picks like Alabama did. Uh, but you have to do what Texas did in the early 2000s uh, under Mac Brown, in which they had, I believe it was, five out of six years uh, in a row. Uh, or Obviously, that's not in all in a row, but it's right next to each other. Uh, where you had at least two first-round draft picks every year, uh, and you had us, and you had a second, and maybe a couple of thirds. You you only had five or six picks, which is not, I say only. That's all Clemson had. They had six picks, and they were pretty good uh, last year. But it, but you have top-end talent there, and that top-end talent makes all the difference in the world. Oh, without a doubt, and uh, even you know, just comparing it to the Big Twelve, you know, Tom Herman at Houston. Three players drafted. Matt Rule at Temple. 
at Temple of all places, where he's getting guys who are two-star guys or or, or walk-ons, you know, for crying out loud, and he's turning those guys into draft picks. Temple had three players taken, so you're you're at least you think that given a couple years, Matt Rule at Baylor, Tom Herman at Texas can start churning out people, but. Uh, I mean, right now, yes, West Virginia is dependable. Um, Oklahoma is dependable. I think next year Oklahoma State has a chance. Um, call me crazy, but if Mason Rudolph develops and has a big year at you know six four six five quarterback with a big arm and maybe the best cast of receivers in the country, a lot of teams are going to be taking a look at him in a quarterback star fleet. Yeah, I, I think that you know if if I'm my early pick right now is Oklahoma State. I'm, I'm going, you know, I know the Baker Mayfield's coming back, but they lost a lot of talent, um, and even though it didn't show up so much in the draft, uh, but those guys were really good, uh, the, both those running backs. Um, I'm, I'm going with Oklahoma State based on the spring and based on projections. What's what's yours, Chuck? Yeah, no, I uh, I'm going with. I'll even take it one step further because we've got the Big Twelve Championship game back. So in Perfect Big 12 luck. Here's what's going to happen. Oklahoma loses early at Ohio State. Not going to surprise anybody, especially with you know guys like P. Ryan Mixon and Westbrook gone. Then in the November showdown, Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. That means Oklahoma State, I think, probably goes into the title game either undefeated or one loss. You know, just needing to win the title game to get the automatic bid. And at that point, I'm guessing Oklahoma State will be in the top four in the college football playoff. Oklahoma will be two losses and be out of the picture. And guess what happens at Jerry World? Oklahoma oh. beats Oklahoma State and knocks the Big 12 out of the playoff. <laughs> yeah, that, that does exactly like something the Big 12 would do, doesn't it? No, it, it, I could see this happening. I mean, this is like... You know, the, 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 quote, surprise ending of some TV show or movie that you you start seeing, like, you know, 10 minutes in, it's like, yeah, this is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So let, let me ask you this, because uh, I don't know the, the schedule. Uh, the, the worst nightmare of the having the this championship game now in the Big 12 again is that you get a late rematch. Is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State still the last game of the season? No, no, they moved it up. It is a early November game. Early November, so, okay. So at least it wouldn't early be early November. Yeah. So they're trying to distance themselves as much as possible from that. I still say, and and I, you know, I could be wrong for the sake of the Big Twelve. I hope I am wrong, but yeah, it's it's so plausible right now that you see something like this. And it, even in the days of the BCS, as Bill Hancock noted. No conference is probably more snake bit by the championship game than the Big Twelve. No, when that, you look back, absolutely, absolutely, and that was that was always my point about having a championship game. I was not for a championship game because I, I as many times, you know, because look, what's what's to be gained from that? Everybody, everybody looks back and how T, TCU and Baylor got screwed uh, in, in the CFP because you know they didn't have a championship game, and look what look what uh, you know. Oh, who, who was it that had the big game at the end and the big win? Ohio State. Ohio State over Wisconsin. Over Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so, so everybody looks at that and says, "See, this is what uh, a championship game does for you." And it's like, yeah, it did that time, 
But what about all the other times where you get yourself knocked out of, uh, of a game just because you played a game against a rival and, and somebody who has potential to knock you off because of the emotions, and we know how that plays in college football. I, just, I was just not for it, and then they were just insisted you know, to make it happen again. Well, I think they were so scared of the 13th data point, of getting knocked out. Even Oklahoma, when Oklahoma made it two years ago, went from third to fourth. Right. Now, I think uh, I think part of that was be just so that they could have the the brackets the way they wanted it. But still, you know, not that the committee would ever do anything like that. No. But, uh, but uh, I, I think you have a conference that's a little scared now. Oh, we have to do this. And at the same time, if you really want to improve your chances of making the playoff, according to those consultants who got paid a decent chunk of change, you also should have added two teams for expansion. And Big 12 didn't really want to do that, so yeah. they went halfway. You know, you've got the championship game now, a guaranteed rematch, and we'll see what happens out of this. But uh, it, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yes, it is. All right, now, Chuck, let's talk about – you You brought up Patrick Mahomes, who, who – by the way, I'm a big fan of Patrick Mahomes. I, you know, John Machota thinks this was a bad quarterback class. I think the kid's going to be a star. I think he has all the intangibles. He's smart. He's a great athlete. Um, he, he, he's got a great arm. He can throw it from any angle. He can do all the things you want to do. Uh, I think what people are missing is uh, what I said first. He's, he is a very smart kid. And what everybody's looking at is the fact that they just didn't win, which that's, that's, uh, you can't defend that. Of course, in the games they lost last year, I believe that they scored an average of 57 points a game, or they gave up an average of 57 points a game. I don't know who's going to beat anybody that's given up when you're giving up that many points. Yeah, when you can't you say you can't defend that, I think that was a tech motto, to be honest. Chuck, so, uh, <laughs> I'm glad no, I'm setting I mean, you up for these lines. That's good. But from from yeah, you look at Mahomes and he's everything you want. Yes, he's sometimes he had to improvise. Sometimes he had to do a lot of things on his own. Sometimes you know the the, the you know it's not what you want rolling out to. Uh, you know, to your left, throwing across your body 50 yards downfield, but he made it work sometimes. And you won't have to do that nearly as much in the NFL. That said, I mean, I, I like Mahomes a lot. I think he can be a guy who delivers at the NFL level. I don't get carried away with far comparisons, but I think athletically he's comparable to Dak Prescott, who seemed to adjust pretty well. And Dak played in a lot of spread concepts at uh, Mississippi State. I think that said, I really like Deshaun Watson, and I think Deshaun Watson going to the Texans is a perfect situation for yeah. both Watson and that team. I, think, I really like him a lot. I think so, too. To me, what has to happen in, in Houston is that they have to do exactly what the Cowboys did with Dak Prescott, uh, which is kind of let's let's make this friendly to the quarterback. Let's simplify everything a little bit here. You know, they just the Texans also just drafted a pretty good running back, Dante Foreman, who I think is perfect for what they want to do or what they should want to do because you got a really good defense. You should turn this over to your running game and uh, and and let the quarterback just kind of you know, I don't want to say just driving the bus here, but let him kind of grow into this role, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, and, and I would say both Mahomes and um, uh, Deshaun Watson are far better than Trubinsky going in the second round. Second I mean, pick. Second pick. No, not second round. Second pick. The second round would have been too high. No, second yeah. pick. Uh, and 
the, the sort of thing that just, you, you shake your head and you go, you know, either the Bears are a whole lot smarter than everybody else, or something's really, really wrong in the water in the Chicago River right now. That, so, could, that could be very well be. I, I'm, I'm with you on that pick. I, that was just stunning to me. But let's get back over to, to where Patrick Mahomes used to play at Texas Tech. Uh, how long is the leash now for Cliff Kingsbury? How long is the contract and how big is the buyout? Yeah, I know I, they, they clearly uh, – there's still some loyalty to Cliff over there from, um, you know, some of the money guys, they like him. He's popular over there. He's a native son. They, all those sorts of things. But he's gone sixteen and twenty-one in the last three seasons. And you can ask Charlie Strong how sixteen and twenty-one plays. You know, generally not too well. And and the other thing, five and seven last year with Patrick Mahomes. Right. So how do they get better? I mean, they got to stop somebody sometime. They've got to make some tackles, don't they? But they haven't. You know, you, you look back at it during this time, this three-year period, you know, where they've averaged giving up nearly, you know, more than 500 yards a game and more than 40 points a game. I mean, I don't care how good the offense is. And, yes, if he's if he's fired, Cliff Kingsbury will be unemployed for five minutes before somebody hires him as an offensive coordinator. Absolutely. But no matter how, you know, how good that offense is, I mean, you know, you, you – you know, you look at even their home record where they put up huge numbers and still lost because the other team's scoring 60 or 70 points. It, it, it's really off the charts just how bad that defense is. And, yeah, they, they like Cliff there, but, but something has to change in terms of, you know, this coming year. And if it's 5-7 and seven or worse, you know, I think if he goes to a bowl game, he's okay. He can sell progress. He can sell a turnaround you know, a little bit, you know, hey, we're going in the right direction. They don't, then Kirby Hocup may have more in his plate than the college football playoff come December. I think you're absolutely right. I think he has to go to a bowl game. And, and, and that's a low bar, you know, six wins. I mean, come on. Uh, he goes to a bowl game, then that's – uh, I guess that's some progress. And you're right. The, the people that I know out there uh, love him, you know, personally. They think he's a great guy. And I, I will give him this. He has an uncanny eye for quarterbacks. I remember when Johnny Manziel made his first start at A&M, most of the media spent all their time talking about the fact that they, they blew that game to Florida just like they had blown games the year before. And, and we all thought that Manziel had played you know, pretty, pretty well for a, a, you know, a, freshman, a redshirt freshman making his first start. Um, and then the thing that I remember from that was Kingsbury saying at that press conference, uh, we we found our quarterback, and and he was, it was clear when he said it was, and I should have taken more from it when he said it. He was convinced about that, and then when you take what he's done since he'd gone to Tech, I didn't like the way he handled that quarterback situation there. He had a lot of quarterbacks. I didn't think he handled the Baker Mayfield situation well at all, especially considering the kid was a walk on. Uh, but in the end, with all those quarterbacks they had, including Davis Webb, who got drafted by the Giants. Um, he picked the best one. You know, he, he figured out who was going to be the best quarterback in the end of all the guys that he had coming out there. Oh, and, and it's amazing when you look at he had Webb and Mayfield at the same time and Mahomes headed there. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a pretty, good eye for talent. You, that's you, pretty you, impressive. And that's why, that, that's why he would be a great offensive coordinator for somebody. You've just got to prove that he can be that guy who, who 
you know, can deliver the the full product as a head coach at yeah. this point. But yeah, I, and, and and the other thing is that in college, Baker Mayfield may wind up being by far the most distinguished of that group of quarterbacks, and he may be wind up, I think most definitely being the worst pro prospect of that group of course. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of coming to the conclusion that, that Cliff would be, a, as you said, a tremendous offensive coordinator for somebody. He, he, if, if Cliff comes into your program and you're trying to find a quarterback and certainly look at, look at all the troubles Texas has had uh, since you know Vince Young and Colt McCoy trying to find a quarterback – you know, if if Cliff Kingsbury is your you know offensive coordinator and your quarterback coach, then I have all the confidence in the world that he's going to find the right guy to come into that program. Now, there's questions about whether you want to do what Cliff does offensively, but I I, I tell you what, if uh, if he were to come if he were to get fired tomorrow, uh, if I'm Tom Herman, I'd, I'd fire my my OC and I'd hire Cliff Kingsbury in a heartbeat. Oh, or if you're Matt Rule, or if you're yeah, go up and down the line if. If, uh, Kevin Summer. You know, they're, they're, yes. You know, yeah, put the band back together again one more time. Yeah, you know, that could be the, the saving grace for Kevin Sumlin. If, because I think, you know, AM fans don't want to hear this, but I think you're looking at probably at best an eight and four regular season at AM. You know, they aren't going to beat Alabama. They probably lose on the road to LSU and in the swamp at Florida. And if they're lucky, they win one of two games either at U. UCLA, or when Auburn comes to visit, and I don't like their chances in the Auburn game with Jared Stidham healthy. So you're looking at four, four, maybe five losses this season. And we, we're, we're talking about people's uh, tenure here. If he wins eight games again, uh, is that going to make anybody happy enough to keep him? <sighs> that great question. I mean, there, there, there's grumbles at AM, but the thing about it is. Better, you know. I mean, you, you look around, and yeah. Now, if they lose to, if Auburn comes in and beats them late in the year, and Stidham lines them up, and people point out that you know someone pulled back on recruiting them, then that's not going to be a good look. Right. I, I mean, I, I think eight wins is kind of the bar, just enough to keep them employed, but just enough to keep them on the hot seat. So, um, uh. You never know. You never know with that. You know, I, I we remember Mike Sherman getting fired in the driveway of a recruit for trying out. All right. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, the people I've talked to uh, are not happy with Kevin, and uh, and and I don't think there's a lot of love lost there. Uh, and so it's not like the the Cliff Kingsbury situation in Lubbock. You know, out there. They they love Cliff. He's he's one of their own. You know, he's a guy that that went to school there, and and he's got the whole tech thing going for him. You know, uh, Kevin is not that. And of course, that's the funny thing in A and M. They they always talk about wanting to have one of their own as a head coach, and they very rarely do. You know, uh, that's only happened. I guess Gene Stallings was the last time they had an Aggie as their head coach. So it, that's what. Of course, I've always felt like that's why the. Why the the uh, the offense coordinator left Clemson to go to SMU to be the head coach so he could get in the state and and uh, wake everybody up and think about the possibility since he he went to Texas A and M. Right. Well, and, and yeah, Chad Morris. I think if uh, he may be in a situation when you look at the AAC, when you look at what he's coming back, he can. And ironically, I think that he can get to eight wins in the regular season at SMU, which would be, you know. 
A&M gets rid of Kevin Sumlin because he only wins eight games a year and hires a coach <laughs> who won eight games at SMU. Right. So, but yeah, I think SMU will be improved. Will, but I don't think SMU is quite ready to be like, uh, you know, like Houston Cougars good the way that Houston was the last couple of years under Tom Herman. But I think they are good enough that it's at Morrison. Chuck, you, you kind of faded out on us there. I hope you're still there. Are you? Oh, no, uh, I'm sorry. I have a tendency to wander around. And <laughs> my, 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 my cell phone, yeah, they, 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 you know, here at the home, they, they, they give me, like, you know, privileges out on the grass occasionally. No, um, but um, it, it's, you know, again, I'm saying that uh, I think Chad Morris is probably going to have, have enough wins this season that he'll get some looks from some people, whether it's A&M or whoever. And you look at the pedigree with what he contributed to Clemson. Deshaun not Watson. Only, yeah. Oh, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I've never asked Chad about this, but I always wonder if, you know, as much as he's a head coach now in the FBS and, and he's making progress at SMU, if he's ever thought to himself, if he had stayed one more year at Clemson, and they had gotten to the championship game, would he have had a chance at a power five job? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what you'd have to think anyway. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think that's a possibility. Let, let's let's move over to TCU now, and uh, and who's going to be the starting quarterback this fall? Is Kenny Hill going to hold on to that job? Well, he's going to be the starting quarterback to start, and it's up to Kenny Hill. I mean, it's his job to lose, and – Kenny Hill has shown in the past that he's perfectly capable of both winning a job and losing the job. And if um, now it's not all on him, he you know as Gary Patterson will point out, TCU led the nation in drops last year with 38. But the, you know some you know that's also a sign that the quarterback and receivers aren't necessarily on the same wavelength either. Right. Uh, um, you've got Sonny Cumbie now going from co-offense coordinator to the the play caller. Doug Meacham's gone. This is Sonny Cumbie's show. He's, you know, he's got a relationship with Kenny Hill, but he's also got a relationship with Sean Robinson, who came in early from uh, from DeSoto High School, great high school quarterback, uh, a guy TCU likes a lot, uh, a guy who's already moved up to number two on the depth chart. If things aren't working out early with Kenny Hill, I, I don't know how much goodwill is there. I think there'll be uh, uh, a tendency to say, let's go with uh, Sean, you know, let's go with a freshman, see what he can do, put him in there now if, if it looks like there are some struggles with the offense. I mean, again, TCU went from being, you know, a top 10 offense for two years under Trayvon Boykin to being the seventh best offense last year in the Big 12. If you're going to run the air raid, you have to be better than that. Is, uh, you know, is Robinson, first of all, and I apologize for not knowing this, I guess I should, what kind of quarterback is he? Is he a, multi, is he a dual-threat quarterback? Is he a guy that, is he, does he present some options that, uh, that Kenny Hill doesn't? Well, I mean, and Kenny Hill was actually a dual-threat in high school when you look back at it. Yeah, he was back then, so, yeah. Yeah, but Sean, Sean Robinson, I think, is more mobile. I think he does qualify as a dual-threat guy. Uh, most definitely. Now, do they want him doing a whole lot of that? I mean, Trayvon Boykin was pretty athletic too, and he extended plays, but they didn't want him 
you know, re- you know, running all over the place necessarily. But yeah, I think Sean Robinson is athletic enough to give him another dimension. He seems, by all accounts, very mature. Has come in, handled the situation pretty well. Uh, now, what you know, when you hear uh, Gary Patterson praising him, you, your antenna goes off because you go, "Is he praising him because he really has?" made this nice jump in the spring or is this Gary Patterson's way of sending a message to Kenny Hill? Yeah, I think think, both. Yeah. I was going to say he's being a dual threat himself there and he's making a dual threat. Uh, (laughs) I think that that's, uh, that's the way he should look at it, you know, because that's the thing now that uh, we, we've seen that drop off at at, uh, TCU, which was a little surprising to me. Um, but this is also a product of being in the Big 12 and playing in a Power 5 conference. You, you, you can't have a let-up. You, know, you, you have to be recruiting every year, hitting every year on some players, and, and I think that they had some obvious holes last year. All right, let's move down to Austin and, uh, and the situation there. With the, they got a new coach, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think you've made a few headlines, too. Yeah, a couple. You know, I've got a <laughs> I've got a story coming out sometime on, you know, basically the the $10,000 lockers. And without being uh, giving too much away, I think it was a master stroke by Tom Herman. Yeah, they're getting some blowback. Hey, this is horrible, that sort of thing. You know, you're not, you know, you can't afford to pay players, but you can do $10,000 lockers. But given the fact that the total expenditure for the renovations of Texas is $10 million, which is kind of not, not even close to what, you know, some other schools have done at their football facilities. They're getting a whole lot of, you know, publicity out of that. And now that one tweet and out of the, you know, the, the, the lockers that look like they came off the set of Guardians of the Galaxy for crying out loud. So, yeah, this is, this is Tom, and Tom Herman will tell you exactly what he thinks and exactly what he's out, you know, for better or worse, he, he, he's going to say, this is what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, too bad. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to uh, somebody at Texas the other day about those lockers, and he, he was uh, describing to me the reaction of the recruits uh, and the parents. And he said, you know, they had the guy who actually designed the lockers was there and was trying to explain to everybody how great this ventilation system is, that you can put your shoes up here, you can put your helmet up here. And because of the ventilation system, it, it takes away all these potential bacteria, you know, because you're drying out these things other than just letting it sit there. And so this is much more healthy for you because this is the lockers are made out of steel. They don't carry the same kinds of, uh, of potential for bacteria. It was all, all very good stuff. And all anybody wanted to talk about of the parents or recruits was the TVs, the 43 inch screens in the, in the, in the lockers. Well, of course. And if you're a 16 or 17 year old kid, you think that's the coolest thing ever. And you see your picture on there, you know, instead of a nameplate. And, um, you, you like the glow in the dark doors on the thing. You know, that's what drove the price tag up. And, um, it, you know, and and whether it's a coincidence or not, but, you know, Tom Herman flips a quarterback from California who was committed to OU, pretty good high school prospect, gets what may be the best defense prospect in the, uh, in the state of Oklahoma to commit soon after that. Hey, he's getting on people's radar screens. And that was the whole point of all this. You know, he knows his target audience. Yes, and he, he does. When you look at, and when you kind of look at it, all right, the the facilities at Texas, the football offices, players' lounge, kind of had the feel of like a a really nice Rotary Club. <laughs> you know what I mean? A Rotary Club. <laughs> it, was, 
it was kind of that, you know, that kind of, you know, go back 15 years and a lot of wood paneling and stuff and cushy chairs and some, you know, Texas quiche thrown in there. And then this kind of, yeah, I think you need to, to update a little bit. And that's what Herman has done. I mean, you know, the, the quote he's given me that will be appearing in Dave Campbell uh, preview magazine in a, in a month or two is that, you know, him taking a sledgehammer to the locker room, well, they came in taking a sledgehammer to pretty much everything in Texas. And, you know, what, what one story I had, just for contrast, is that very early in his tenure when, you know, Steve Patterson, a.k.a. Screech McDuck, was the athletic director, and <laughs> Charlie went to Steve Patterson and said, hey, really would like to have a, you know, second play clock for the Packers fields out here. Steve Patterson, well, how much is that going to cost? Oh, about 150 200 bucks. No. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so I think the attitude is a little different in Austin now. Yeah, it is, and you know that's the that's the thing. I guess uh, so an old fart like me, the problem the problem sometimes I have with Tom Herman is that you know I can I can uh, I've either work with or remember uh, uh, quarter I mean quarterbacks coaches who go all the way back to Daryl Royal. So we're talking about into the fifties. Now I didn't I didn't know Ed Price and I didn't know the the guys who came before him. I just know reputations. Uh, but I'd have to believe that that Tom Herman is the brashest of all of these uh, coaches by far, and and maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, if you if you're if you're attracting recruits and if you're getting things done and if you're winning games, none of that will matter. No, no. Now, if if something happens though, and they lose the opener to Maryland, which hey, Maryland went to a bowl last year, Texas didn't. You know. Uh, so it, that's not a given. No, or, not. or if they go out and if they go out and get boat raced by Southern Cal, who's probably going to be a top five team to open the season, quite honestly, and and a playoff contender with a Heisman candidate and Sam Darnold. If things go bad out there, then all of a sudden it's going to be, hey, where, where's that six and zero record against ranked teams that we like so much at Houston? <laughs> you know where, where Tom likes know, to where, remind where people it? about that record too, doesn't he? Uh, he he likes his record. You know, he likes his record, he, and he's not taking that bowl off. Uh, but uh, no, no. Look, we can we can joke about that. And yes, he's he's a smart guy. I mean, he's had success. And the the question is, is he just a guy who is really good at a group of five school and will have adjustment process, or is he is he the next Urban Meyer coming in? You know, Urban Meyer. Coming from Utah to Florida, is he that guy? You know where he's going to come in, and and, and in a couple of years going to be celebrating national championship. We don't know what you know. He but he's clearly. Uh, I mean, let's put it like this: Tom Herman's giving it his best shot right now. He is clearly uh, not leaving anything on the table. It's not going to be a, oh, should I have done more? Should I have done this? Oh, if we had only done this. I mean, right now it's kind of a force of nature. At Texas, and like you said, Texas really hasn't had anything like that. I mean, Mac Brown always seemed like a guy who should be a senior senator from North Carolina or Tennessee. You know what I mean? Right. Incredibly well spoken, uh, but you know, you know the, the the sort of guy who, who's diplomatic. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that you know Tom Herman has these political leanings, but there's there's a little bit uh, of Tom Herman that you could compare to maybe. Uh, another notable politician right now who's in a high office. So, uh, <laughs> Maybe so. 
Yeah, maybe he's going to run for president. Well, I, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that Tom Herman has all the qualifications to be highly successful at Texas. And uh, uh, one of the things he's doing, I, I could, and this was an issue a little bit at Houston. I could see this at Texas. He works those guys very hard. They do a lot of hitting. Um, and it'll be interesting to me to see what happens over the next few years if the NCAA decides, which, of course, they've already limited, uh, you know, a lot of the things that they do in, in drills. But as this concussion issue progresses, it'll be interesting to me to see what the trickle-down effect is in the NCAA level. And, uh, and, and, and I think that's something that would really uh, rub uh, Tom Herman the wrong way. He likes his guys to hit. He, he's got them out there all the time doing that, every chance that he, that he has. And to me, that's that. But that's but that's such a distant issue and such an ancillary type thing. Um, I, I would be I'd have to say this. I'd be shocked if, if Tom Herman does not have Texas back on the national stage competing for the CFP within two to three years. Right. And now those who think that, you know, even Charlie Strong, who said, you know, the, the cake is baked and all Tom Herman or whoever came, came in needed to do was ice it. Tom Herman's kind of taking exception with that. Yes, he uh, has. <laughs> yes, he's he's not totally on board with that uh, that analogy. He thinks maybe a little more time in the oven, and, and just based on and you can't tell anything by the spring game. But if you were to look at just what we saw in the field, and and obviously a bunch of guys aren't down there, they aren't showing anything on offense. Even though Shane Bouchelle actually looked pretty good, but you look at that whole situation and you're going. You know, this is probably a team that maybe has an A-win feeling in the regular season. You know, it's hard to imagine this team, as we saw in the spring, this team going to beat USC. This team going to beat Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And then you have, a, a you know, uh, you have K-State at home, but you also have West Virginia in November on the road when it's going to be 35 degrees in South Florida in Morgantown. And that's not going to be pretty. So you can drop a... This is seven or eight wins, which is certainly an improvement over five, but uh, and it's progress. But it's also the sort of thing where uh, I think people need to temper their expectations this year just a little bit. I don't think there's any question. I think eight wins would be a major victory for Texas. Yeah, I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, it looks like he's got recruiting momentum. It looks like things are in place for a top ten class, and and they can and. and you look at what Charlie did. I mean, despite not having the facilities, the one thing you can say is that Charlie Strong was not done in by bad recruiting. You no. know, despite what people wrote about his relationship with Texas high school coaches, all this kind of stuff, he had two top ten recruiting classes yes, in his final did. two years, and and had things going pretty well. Now, will you know, I think Tom Herman and his group, it looks like they're going to be aggressive on that. The thing is, can they take that talent and, and turn that around more? I mean, the, the other thing, you have Tom Herman's system now. And Tim Beck calling plays, there's some concern there. But you think about it, <laughs> Tim Beck is the sixth different play caller in the last six years at Texas. Now that's phenomenal, isn't it? And, and the amazing thing is, none of them were, were really great, obviously, when you look at Texas's track record. But three of those guys are FBS head coaches, and the two other guys are coordinators now, still. I mean, Sean Watson's the coordinator at Pittsburgh. You know, Brian Hartson started this out and uh, then went to Arkansas State, now head coach at Boise. Major Applewhite followed him at Houston. 
you know, Sean Watson, you know, Jay Norvell, who stepped in after one game two seasons ago, now head coach in Nevada, and, and Sterling Gilbert last year, who went with Charlie Strong to USF as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. I, I just isn't find it? it fascinating. Yeah, it is. Everybody landed on their feet. Yes, they did. And, Chuck, we can only hope that we will do the same. No matter what happens to you and me, we land on our feet somewhere. Hey, if Sean Watson could keep doing it. Yes, okay. <laughs> An excellent point, excellent point. Chuck, thanks for being on with us today. You were great, as always. We love talking about uh, Big 12 football, Texas football, Texas A&M football, any kind of football. We love talking it with you. And, uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be having you back here real soon, okay? Hey, hey, no pro- no problem. Glad to be with you, Kevin. And and uh, you know you did fine without adult supervision. Today, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks so much, Chuck. I feel better now. And there he goes, Chuck Carlton. Uh, you, look, here's the thing about Chuck: he's the laziest man on the Dallas Morning News sports staff. No, I'm just kidding, Brian. He's he's the hardest working guy on the staff. You can't hardly get him to to stop. He's always wanting to do something. He's always volunteering to do something, making the rest of us look bad. Well, that's it. Uh, we've had three podcasts today, right, Brian? As far as I know, three. Yeah, we had one with uh, we started with one John Machota talking about the Cowboys and the draft. We went from there to talking to Evan about the the Rangers and their big series, four game series with the Astros which didn't start out so well. And then we concluded with Chuck Carlton talking about Big 12 football, the state of Texas football, and everything that goes in with that, which is a lot of stuff, which is why it was so long. So for me and for my uh, my vacated colleagues, uh, Evan Grant and Barry Horn, this is Kevin Sherrington. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.